You're listening to Counterculture on RCR. Reality Check Radio. Welcome to Reality Check Radio. You are with Counterculture. I am Marie, and it is time to talk to my next guest, Helen Houghton. Good morning, Helen. How are you? Good morning, Marie. It's fantastic to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you for being with us. Now, Helen is the Deputy Leader of the New Conservative Party. And Helen, your journey to this point is fascinating. So tell us a little bit more how you've gone from your background as in teaching to politics. Yeah, my entry into politics is not the traditional one, um, any, far from normal, but then I'm not normal either. Now, 15 years of teaching, I was in primary and intermediate school. Uh, after 15 years, I had a bit of a desire to work in the community. So I stepped out of full-time teaching uh, and just was job sharing a classroom. So I was only in teaching two to three days a week and I was founding a charitable trust helping mainly young mums in the community. So throughout that time, uh, probably about three or four years Later, I stumbled across some information from the Ministry of Education, so I was still part-time teaching. And look, the thing is, Marie, it was a really um, bizarre way of finding out this information. It wasn't through the teaching stuff. It wasn't through our staff meetings or professional development in the school system. It was actually by my Facebook feed. So I found it unusual because I don't normally, I wouldn't normally see anything from Ministry of Education on my feed. So obviously I looked at it and I thought, what, what, what is this? And it had around inclusion and diversity. So I looked into it, um, also thought it was a little bit of a, uh, yeah, a little bit strange because it's almost like you're saying, well, what has inclusive not been happening in the schools, you know, for the past um, few decades? I mean, teachers and staff are inclusive. They uh, welcome and, you know, work with all people from cultures, different ethnicities. There's, there's no issues there. So I looked into it and I was actually alarmed with the information I found. So basically it led me to the TKI website, which is a teaching um, teaching website where you go and get lots of resources and use in your class just willy-nilly. Um, you know, some great, great stuff on there. But this was all around the rainbow community. And the more I looked, the more horrified I was. What I did was I had to go seek out a MP. So I knew nothing about politics, but I knew there was, I had to do something about this information that we were teaching children around gender and it was completely confusing for children. So, And, and it, what sort of timing, how, how long ago was that? Just that was four years ago. Right. Okay, yeah. so four years ago. Now I am... Like you said, I'm co-leading the party now. So when I first put a petition out opposing the gender ideology in the school system, I went up to Parliament, spoke at a select committee with 10 other MPs, and the MP, Kieran McNulty, at the end of my delivery, said to me he didn't feel, he didn't believe that there was an issue in New Zealand and that I had used some uh, data from overseas, which I thought was actually ridiculous because it, as if, Parliament don't use, you know, data from overseas. I mean, we use data from everywhere, right? Um, so, so basically, nothing happened apart from the fact that we had over forty thousand people who had signed that petition. It was one of the highest online petitions through Parliament at that time. 
Um, since then, I've had many people who've said if they knew about the petition, they would have also signed it. So there's a lot of parents and teachers who were really concerned around the gender ideology being, um, they were being forced to teach. But so that was four years ago. Then I, uh, a political party, New Conservative, approached me because they saw the work I was doing in that space, asked me to be a candidate for them. So I ran in the 2020 election for Christchurch East. And yeah, here I am co-leading the party. So crazy things happen in four so years. Talk, talk us through some of then the information that they were asking you to teach four years ago. So what were some of the, give us some examples of some of the things in the curriculum that, as you said, you picked up through your Facebook feed, not through information through the school. So what are some of those things? Okay, now four years ago, it wasn't so obvious Right, like I said, this was just on a Facebook um, announcement. There was nothing solid in any curriculum statement. So we have our national curriculum. Now, this is not in the national curriculum. What there is is a guidelines document. So it says it's the relationships and sexuality guidelines. What happened when I looked into the stuff? Most of the things I saw were from the website, not from the booklet, because the document hadn't been hadn't been given. And what I mean by that is when I first put the petition out, a, a principal phoned me and asked me if we're supposed to be teaching the gender diversity stuff. And I see, asked him if he had seen the relationships and sexuality guidelines. And he said that the ministry had not even sent it to his school. So a majority of schools would not have even seen this. There would have been a very few schools who had this document and were basically trialing it out there without knowledge of other people being involved in this. Um, so, so it would yeah. have been like a pilot program that would have gone to uh, yes. a select number of schools, right? Yes. And since, so, uh, you know, recently I've heard about a few people who were involved in that and are now horrified because, it, yeah, it was delivered to them like this kind, you know, inclusive document. And now we have, uh, yeah, we've seen the danger. So all I noted, I just knew when I looked at the content on the website that the, this was not correct. So I go back now to that Trans 101 video recording that they had for a resource for teachers to use. Um, and I viewed that. It's about six minutes long. And it, what it is is a selection, a group of adolescents who are on various stages of this trans journey um you know they've got piercings and all of that it just to me it looks like you know personality you know you're identifying we all do that when we're young it's teenagers you know you might dye your hair put a few piercings in um I certainly did you know but then but this now we're teaching children that this is a norm and that people can be born transgender and if you feel different or a bit quirky or anything that you're on the spectrum which is absolute nonsense it's not factual stuff but what alarmed me was that this was on the website for teachers to use in a classroom you know without any kind of parental knowledge or um, consent of any of this content um, so yeah it was that that concerned me the most and then the language around um talking about pronouns and things. So it's, it's actually developed even more now in the last four years, especially now that the guidelines are, are in the schools. Um, this has been delivered through new teacher training as well. So teachers who are going into training now uh, basically are being re-educated from the rainbow community about how to teach the sexuality stuff. It, you know, back in, it was only, gosh, 
six years ago, five, six years ago, when I taught a puberty class, it was still the basics. It was still the basic biology. You know, girls get the periods. Um, the, the male teacher would take the boys, do their bit. So this has happened really fast and to such an extreme level of what we are what we are teaching now around sexual identity, sexual orientation and behaviours. It's, um, yeah, really outstanding. So I see, look, there's two significant critical factors that are impacting our education curriculum at present, and I blame them for the lower standards of achievement, but even the disinterest in children attending schools and the well-being of our children. Now, it's not the only factors, but it's the most pervasive, and that is the radical politicised gender ideology that is under that guise of inclusivity and diversity. I see it simply as sexual identity politics that is verging close to grooming children. Now, the other one is CRT, which is a dis- deconstruction of history and a reconstruction to address historical abuses. So just, just for the listeners, CRT is critical race theory, correct? Yeah, so it's a, aka racial propaganda. Mm. Yeah, well, racial would, Marxism, depending on which way yeah, you want to look at it. That, yeah. That's it. And why would we want to look at everything through race or through how we identify? It's actually creating victimhood mentality. You are either, if you're not oppressed, you are the oppressor is basically where we're we're at. I'm going to read something to you that someone sent me and they're currently doing a university course. This course that they're doing is not a humanities degree, it's a STEM degree. Mm. So, yep, this is a compulsory course that they have to do. It's called Science and Sustainability. And this is a slide. They are now doing a section on intersectionality and equity and diversion in a STEM-based degree. This is compulsory, this course, that they must complete the course and they must pass the course in order to do it. And this is what the slide says. Many people experience oppression in overlapping ways, not as separate distinct entities. It is often impossible to separate these out as the experiences of oppression. These are not equal oppressions and different terms to of the degree to which they are experienced, how they experience in the context in which they are experienced. Wow. And whoever mm. controls the language controls the narrative. And I the, I was stunned at that. I mean, the person doing this group is an adult and they are pretty open-minded to what is going on. Mm. But if an 18-year-old is at the first year at university doing this, mind you, in what you're saying, they've already been groomed for this language by the time they get there, aren't they? Well, well, this is the, the critical race theory is only just coming into the school with the revamp of the history. However, look, I... One thing I didn't say is I'm halfway through my law degree as well. So, yeah, I've got a few hats. And the first year in our law degree, um, we had a similar situation where, yeah, Māori, the Māori paper is with embedded in there as a compulsory for you yes, to actually part complete. Of this as well, okay. And what we came across, and you're right, that, you know, the auditorium was full with mainly 18-year-olds. You know, there's a few of us oldies. Um, but what happened with the Māori uh, professor who came and to take this part of the course um, is, you know, appalling. She stood there and pretty much said to the audience, you know, I know you're going to feel uncomfortable. (laughs) You're going to feel like, you know, she's actually putting it onto them that you're going to feel uncomfortable with what has happened in the past. So it's like a blame, you know, a blame looking out there at that audience that, you know, your 
grandparents, etc. You know, it's it's if you're it's white, a so, you're it's a bad. sign in guilt. Yeah, yeah, exactly. A sign in guilt before you've even even started a conversation. So it's setting yeah. that as the benchmark before even any Absolutely. dialogue or discussion has started. So let's let's because I want to keep have a really good chat about and dive into the context of what's going on in the schools. Mm. So my kids are now at high school. So I mean, it's not that long ago that I was exited the primary and um, intermediate pathway mm. and I have to admit none of this I didn't and I was pretty active with what was going on with the kids uh, teaching at school mm-hmm. um, because I have one that needs needed a little bit extra help so I was pretty, pretty all over what was going on outside of what you said the norms in terms of puberty there was not being taught there was none of these I didn't detect anything that raised mama bear alarm bells mm. but what you're saying now and in, in the last three or four years particularly these got so these have gone from guidelines which i think are now starting to head towards entrenchment into curriculum you think or certainly the guidelines are being adopted more readily by a number of schools okay when i took the petition the first time i told you what happened but after that i actually viewed a select committee not long after with Nikki Kay, who was the education minister at the time, and there were two or three, I can't remember, two or three Ministry of Education ladies there. And they they had mentioned the campaign that I was on, but they also talked about the fact that most schools they were aware weren't adopting this new education guidelines, you know, in sexuality. So what they their plan was to take it out of the hands of teaching staff and bring in facilitators. So you have our source the curriculum to people like Inside Out. You've got even um, a place called, oh, what is it, Nest Consulting. You've got Family Planning. So they're all, you know, they <clears throat> come into the school. The school um, takes it out of the hands of the teaching staff so that it's adopted throughout the school, you know, right right through. And there's no, no um, confusion about the fact that some teachers are just doing their own thing or choosing not to. Uh, take on some of this however even recently someone sent me a message to say that their school had informed them that puberty was being taught it was a well set out one page uh, letter stating that they're very clear that they will not be teaching the gender ideology stuff so there's many schools now it took a few years many schools now who have seen the um, harm in this and are pushing back and are not doing it. So it hasn't been mandated as such, but the look, the people behind it are pushing it. So you've got Rainbow uh, Inside Out coming into our schools. They have got a room at Parliament. Now, I'm not just talking about like a parent room. I'm talking about a full-on big room like the Māori have a room in the Parliament in the Beehive where you know, the, the rainbow people are. So so they have, like, uh, the lobbying has infiltrated so deep in Parliament. And I have heard this, even in the Labour caucus, they're having a lot of issues because they have given them so much power and control that there's a lot of stuff in-house um, which is concerning. But this we've seen this right across other institutions as well. Uh, the concerning thing is, te- look, teaching children about health and re- relationships is so important, as is teaching the basics of biology. However, 
what we have now is more focused instruction around the type of sexual acts than simple biology, including a lolly scramble of 100 genders, which you can choose from. Changing, you know, you can change them depending on how you feel from one day to a next. Not only is that absurd, it's dangerous. Mm. Well, especially because, so Inside Out, which is a, uh, it's government, predominantly government funded yes, organisation. government funded. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so they're being subcontracted into schools. Correct. To discuss this gender theory, so essentially mm-hmm. queer theory, yes. to what primary and intermediate age children Absolutely. And in the guidelines now, because I've just uh, updated it, this is starting at year one. So they've got in the document for children to know the difference between sex and gender. I mean, you know, this is, yeah, it's right throughout. Now, I looked into, when I first started to investigate this and found out that the government had enabled um, this inside out, you know, into the schools. The, I spent a couple of years digging into the institutions that are pushing it, and I found a teacher resource, and I highlight this statement. It's for teachers to help them deliver the lessons. I quote, be aware of religious parents or caregivers who are distressed about this topic. It is worth noting to them that you are merely offering students a range of opinion, not an absolute truth. This is in their document for teaching staff who, because obviously when we first um, exposed this a few years back, there were many parents coming to us asking what to do. And so, you know, we sent them off, told them to go to the board, ask the teacher, ask your teacher if they're teaching it. And so clearly the inside out, you know, pre-prepared it, knowing that many parents won't have a bar of this and will be concerned. So they've, you know, instructed teachers how to deal with the most of the parents who would be appalled and not want this to be taught. Well, that's um, certainly a strategy that they've de- that's been deployed amongst other um, places as well, not just education. What I'm trying to wrap my head around and see if you can, being a teacher with so many years' experience, is how that this queer theory is being entertained to be even taught in schools in the first place. Surely that this is something that should be in a societal context, not in an educational context. And that isn't the primary role of our educators to actually teach kids the core competencies that they need in order to get on with life. So that's what I'm trying to wrap my head around. When did that line get crossed when they believed that these sort of ideological teachings needed to enter in to the schools? When? So it is all around politics. It's political. You have got somehow the um, radical trans activists have, uh, you know, infiltrated into parliament. Like I said, they've allowed so much, they've given them so much power and control, this particular lobby group into the beehive where they have got involved in in every aspect of um, policy and it happens everything starts from policy i remember maybe three or four years ago when chris hipkins was the 
Minister of Education and he was looking for people to be on the council of the teaching council. Now, one of the names that was applying for this position, he had actually put a complaint. He was putting a complaint to the teaching council against me. (laughs) I had received a letter from him with a handful of signatures from other LGBT people or supporters wanting to take me to the teaching council. Do you know what for though? You know, you expect to go to the teaching council if you have, you know, done some kind of um, misdemeanor or or something that's pretty shocking. Now, they would take wanted to take me to the teaching council for using my citizen's right to uh, challenge something. And so they, they try and silence you. And this is how they have got so far. They silence people who have got a different opinion. You cannot you cannot question anything around LGBT. You cannot, um, you know, there's no debating. Otherwise, they just throw out this language where they call you anti this and anti that. But look, even within the LGBT, and you've, you've probably seen this as well, there's, you know, um, I think we've mentioned it before, talked about the L not actually wanting to be a part of the this whole community anymore because the trans in it have become so powerful that they are overriding any rights in there as well. You, you, we saw that at Posey Parker, you know, they're shutting down the woman. It's no different than this this particular person who tried to be on the teaching council that was applying under Chris Hipkins who was trying to silence me as an educator from having a voice. They did the same thing with Posey Parker and trying to silence the woman from having a voice. So this is right across. You know, you ask how this has happened. It's um, it's purely the power that they have allowed to go be embedded in all policy areas and all institutions. It's happening everywhere. I'm here with Helen Houghton, co-leader of the New Conservative Party, and we're discussing gender in our New Zealand schools. So coming up this Friday is Pink Shirt Day, which has been around since uh, 2007. And I remember my kids getting involved in this at primary school. Now, like many of these things with the ideology and what I've certainly discovered over the years since I've been uh, studying this is that on surface appearance it appears to be quite innocuous and quite harmless and i referred to it the other day actually as when you look at the pamphlet the pamphlet looks quite enticing but it's not until you actually dive into the information that you realize that there's something a little bit more sinister there as a parent had always thought an anti-bullying campaign was not a bad idea i was bullied pretty badly when i was a kid all the way through to the to the end of high school so bullying for me is a real hot button topic because i have been a victim of it i know exactly what it looks like this year's event i jumped on and had a look at the imagery around this year's event funnily enough it came up again in my facebook feed so that's where i first saw it and i nearly scrolled past it because i saw the pink but then i looked back because all the imagery for Pink Shirt Day had moved from traditional bullying, which is poor antisocial behaviour amongst peers, to lots of imagery, which is both Māori, Pacifica, Rainbow Community. For me, on the surface of it, I looked at it, it's like, okay, does this actually now not 
mean what it once meant. What what are you seeing now in, in the change with that? Like you, Marie, bullying is, you know, I, we're, we're all concerned about bullying and it's happened, it's always happened for um, various reasons and we have to address it. Pink Shirt Day was supposed to be all about bullying. Pride is all about promoting pride is similar it's about promoting but it, pride's about promoting rainbow community in the education environment now the the pink shirt day what you might have noticed too is the logo the logo is a rainbow logo okay. which is half maori and half pacifica with a rainbow on the top but yeah. you've also you know you've got all the colors of the rainbow so it is it, you are talking about yeah, it is diverted into that um, the whole Pride thing as well. So we've got Pink Shirt Day coming up, and then you've got the Pride, the Pride Week as well. Now I want to give you two examples about um, about how this works. We're talking about them being inclusive, and yet I'm going to give you two examples of this being exclusion, actually, and subtly doing what it claims to prevent. So you're actually bullying people who don't agree. Um, I had one young teen male student who emailed me from a boys' high school saying that he's fed up with having rainbow content forced on him throughout that school week. Actually, I, I think it's still a week. Some people tell me it's a month now. I don't know. But he felt like they wanted to brainwash him into agreeing with something that he doesn't have the same views on. You know, they had the flag flying, assemblies, posters everywhere, activism within the school. So... When you're talking about, on one hand, this is supposed to be a thing about bullying, it's all they're pushing this rainbow content and excluding people who don't believe in it. Now, the second example is about a 13-year-old student. She, actually, her mother phoned me. She didn't tell her parents that there was a Pride Mufti Day and she chose to wear dark clothing to school. So her mum just thought, well, it's Mufti Day, so, you know, she's, she's off to school and her mufti clothing but when she got to school um one of the teachers said to her why aren't you wearing colorful clothing and she said well you know because I don't agree with that she goes I have compassion for them but I don't agree with it so I'm not doing you know doing that so um the teacher turned around and said well you were supposed to wear it now they, she knew what was coming up because the assembly was happening and she didn't want to participate in that either because, like she said, she doesn't agree with what it's all about. She didn't want to celebrate it. So she asked to be excluded from that and she was told, no, everybody has to go. So she had to sit in this assembly. But what she did was she took a little video recording and the mother sent that video to me. So I have that recording. And what it looks like is instead of a school assembly, it looks like a drag show. You have two boys coming out on the stage dressed in their glitter dresses and it's about them coming out to the whole whole school while the teachers are on the side celebrating and clapping and encouraging this um, behaviour. We're pushing it to the extent where the bullying that you talked about is complete celebration of all things rainbow and excluding any other religious belief or cultural people. How does that help? any bullying situation I'm really struggling about that I mean the person who behaved with bullying towards women at Albert Park he's actually the person promotion promoting the videos I don't know if you've seen that mm, it's Chanel Lau. it is now he um it's highly questionable to have some to use someone as a model for bullying 
who actually has displayed this antisocial behaviour towards people simply because they hold a different opinion. It's interesting you should say that. Um, I downloaded the teacher's four-page kit and under cyberbullying, it says, according to NetSafe, there is a growing number of reports about from and about young people who experience a disproportionate amount of online harm. Online bullying can take many forms, including name-calling, repeated unwanted messages, spreading mm. rumours or lies, fake accounts used to harass people, excluding people from social activities, embarrassing pictures, videos, websites or fake profiles. I've seen posts, especially tweets from Chanel mm. in recent times that would at least tick half those boxes. Yes, I have been sent a few of those screenshots as well, which were really shocking. I, I can't understand what's going on there, Marie. Why would you give somebody the New Zealander, Young New Zealander of the Year Award straight after that event where there was violence. I think you mentioned it before. There was a woman who had uh, her eye socket punched in. Well, that wasn't Chanel. He was um, he was there with a massive, what do you call those? Mega, megaphone. I don't know if you're aware. I was there. I was actually on the rotunda. So I went that day to be one of the speakers and I was on the rotunda there's a photo, we've got a recording of him standing above me with his megaphone shouting. You know, it was like this abuse of noise. It was real harassment. So that was pure harassment. The woman there had every right to express their opinions, just like the counter-protesters could do that. But what they did was they silenced. They silenced. So they've taken away the right of the group of women to have their views. And this is this is in law. Yet we seem to be allowing it. I'm not. Mm. I'm not sure what's happening there, but I know that there's some court, some court um, cases that are pending. So I won't go too much into that. No. No. Well, you talked about too in terms of kids disengaging with school. Now, following on from that kit, so that first part was the description of cyberbullying, which was is a great description. That is a useful piece of information. The mm. next paragraph in this kit says online bullying experienced by the rainbow community. Just like with other forms of bullying, Tairua, who identifies lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, intersex, asexual, or other sexuality and gender diversity communities and then we have the LGBTQIA plus can be targeted online. Online homophobic, biphobic and or transphobic bullying can look like taking and sharing photos of videos of rainbow students without consent, taking and circulating online photos and videos of rainbow focused bullying, either directly bullying or harming a person or destruction of property, posters, flags etc being destroyed, outing people online. This sometimes can happen unintentionally when school staff include uh, rainbow young people in online posts supporting redressing rainbow issues. Now, taking the last one out, which, I mean, has happened, a Brian Bridge broadcaster that happened to him quite famously many years ago when Mark Richardson accidentally outed him in primetime television, mm -hmm. it happens. The other two, I'm sorry, why is taking and sharing photographs of videos of rainbow students without consent is it only bullying when it's rainbow students? I would have thought taking and sharing photos and videos of any student without consent would constitute bullying. And this is what concerns me. By only highlighting a certain group 
a certain collective that anyone that doesn't fit into that group is automatically excluded. And as you and I both know, all kids want to do is fit in. Mm, Exactly. And as an educator throughout our teaching career, we are given explicit instruction that any photos any photos taken of children, we have to make sure that they, the parents at least, have had given consent. And so, yeah, to be putting this on just for the rainbow community, uh, everything is about the rainbow. We have disabled children in school. We have children who are in wheelchairs, who have, you know, um, I've taught students who are going blind. I've taught so many students with different different learning needs and developmental needs and yet here all the focus is pushed on this one community and that community is growing larger every day and it's not because they're suffering with gender dysphoria so we've got to go back to the fact that this is supposed to be with this whole inclusive stuff it was all around supporting children who apparently had this gender identity disorder but what it's become is a fad it's creating all these children with little um you know identities and like what you've said because there's so many of them happening now and children want to fit in they don't want to be excluded so they're going along with this you know you've got children running around um you know the high school playground now saying i identify as lesbian i identify as some version of pan gender or whatever gender it is they need to apply themselves with a label in order to feel that they're fitting in and as you said before some schools even go as far as creating a celebration about that now i'm not saying that children shouldn't be celebrated but what happened to the days when you go to assembly and you celebrate someone's achievement because of academic success or sporting success or cultural success, that seems to be replaced or overemphasized by Mm. these these other elements. Moving further down, I mean, honestly, this sheet, I tell you. If you're a parent out there and you're listening to this and you're thinking, I have really no idea, go to the Pink Shirt Day website and actually download this form and have a look for yourself. I'm not making this up. Uh, Rainbow people are resilient and have higher rates of volunteering and community engagement and are an important part of our community. Despite this, rainbow young people are particularly vulnerable to experiencing homophobic, biphobic or transphobic bullying. I just get really angry because I actually know that every kid experiences bullying in one form or another. And surely Pink Shirt Day should be something that is helping children to identify poor antisocial behaviour amongst their peers. And if they're receiving or on the receiving end of poor antisocial behaviour amongst their peers, how to be resilient against that behaviour and what to do to deal with it. Whereas this, it's highlighting this one community, I just find it really, really difficult. They're talking about um, the effects and how much greater the effects are within these certain communities and are downplaying the effects for other students. But one in five transgender students said that they've been bullied at school weekly more and more often in the past year compared to 5% of cisgender students. That 5%, now I'd love to know of that one in five transgender students, A, how many that actually constitutes in a school? So how many actual transgender students are in a school for starters? I mean, are there even five? 
to get one in five. And if you look at 5% of cisgender students, well, if you had a, if you had a student body mm. of 500 students, you know, you could be talking about one student who is transgender having being bullied and feeling bad, but, you know, 20 normal students who are also being bullied, but they're sort of pushed aside because this is the priority. You know what I mean? Like I just find that there is a disproportionately gathering resources mm. when yeah. more students are being bullied, but they've been popped off aside because they don't fit into that identity group. Look, you're right. Unfortunately, a majority of people suffer some form of bullying throughout our lives. Okay. It's 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 not this is not a new thing. It's happened for forever and it'll continue to happen. We want to, you know, stamp it out and we want to try and stop it, but there's things that you don't see and, and it will happen. Alarmingly that there's such an obsession with this putting that priority on the trans community. And what is the trans community? What are trans children? Who is born trans? I go back to the gender dysphoria. Trans, what is trans? You're talking about in children, it's a gender dysphoria, they call it, where there's a discomfort with their identity. There is a small percent of children who are generally um, have some confusion, but I don't believe that the majority that we're talking about now is gender dysphoric. I, I believe it's a normal identity crisis that most preteens and adolescents navigate through, usually safely with the support and guidance from trusted adults. Now, there's research that highlights 80 to 90% of these children who are diagnosed with gender dysphoria grow out of it and are happy with their biological sex. There's false data right now in schools around children who are trans. They're being fed this information. It's right throughout. It's on TikTok. They're watching, you know, all sorts of things on Netflix. It's in the communities. Obviously, the schools are pushing it. And so they're believing that, oh, because I don't fit into that female role I must be trans now I have friends who were tomboys you never ever hear of tomboys anymore it's okay you know what we need to do is tell our children it's okay if you are more masculine as a female and more feminine as a, as a boy it doesn't mean you are transgender it doesn't mean that you have to now go and change your body and you socially transition we've got it wrong we have got it completely wrong I'm not going to mince my words we're not talking about fads that can be easily undone with a change of wardrobe or piercing or tattoo removal. We're chopping off and sewing on body parts to create something unnatural. All of this gender ideology stuff leads to one dangerous path, and that is leading children towards, after they social transition, it's towards, well, first puberty blockers, which, you know, that's going to take another session for me to talk to you about, Marie. And once they're on puberty blockers, most of them go to cross-sex hormones. That's a lifetime of medical intervention. You, you talk about the high suicide rate and the mental health around trans people. Even that data is very misleading because clearly once people are on this path, that actually just increases, that mental health issue increases. And there's facts out now around people who have transitioned that their mental health has actually increased. The, the, the quality of their mental health has declined. Exactly. Isn't that the bat that is used to guilt parents who have got children who are trying to identify who they are and be comfortable in their own skins, that if they don't go down this pathway, that they will leave, be leaving their children open to a risk of suicide. Surely any child 
that are suffering from anxiety and high stress, whether it be around gender identity, how they fit in, socialisation within schools. Any of those children could be facing those risks. What is happening for all children who are struggling in our school environment to find their way what support are they getting from their schools or are they putting all the eggs in the rainbow and trans basket? Yeah, I think all the eggs are going in the rainbow and trans baskets. I mean, there I have respect for my teacher colleagues. You know, there's great teaching staff out there, great school leaders. This is being forced onto schools, even the boards, you know, the boards have got this directive as well. So we need to push back. I think parents don't realise the power that they, you know, and the rights that they have. And it is about, you know, the schools are not are not going to stop this. So it is up to the parents to actually make a stand and, you know, gather in groups. I'm actually meeting with a group of parents next week who have got the puberty coming up. And so I'm meeting up with them because they're very concerned. I spoke, I did an interview with a parent last week as well, who her daughter transitioned through uh, high school in Christchurch and she's now the daughter is on this these hormone treatment and you know has a beard and is um, living as a male so this is really alarming it is in New Zealand and there's high numbers of these children that are being fed down this um, horrific path it's not just about you know supporting accepting being tolerant of different people how they live it's actually forcefully pushing children who are vulnerable down this path of confusion and you know we need to take back control of our children we need to take back control of our schools and this should be illegal illegal for teachers to be telling children that they that there's some people who can be born in the wrong body and to be pushing these lessons and it's not only the gender stuff uh, marie i was horrified somebody gave me a a book from family planning which is used in high schools for sex education now i looked at the date and it was actually published in 2010 so this stuff has been in our schools around the sex ed for a lot longer and the explicit language that is used in these lessons um I spoke to a room full of adults and told them about it and they were horrified with the language I used. And I said to them, well, if you are feeling horrified about that, how do you think your teenagers feel? Because these lessons are taught to, you know, teenagers in school and um, it's, it's appalling. We need to expose it all. We need to have an investigation. We need to put a halt on the sexuality and gen- uh, education guidelines um, you know, a majority, I think there was, a, there was a survey done last year where 69% of parents said that they do not um, want their children exposed to this gender ideology. 15% didn't know, probably because they don't understand it. You know, when I first put the petition out, some of my colleagues said to me, oh, Helen, you know, I don't, don't think it's, this is happening. That was four years ago. Now, Everybody knows it's happening. I had a person who was watching me recently at one of the shows where we had our stool, and she came over and asked me if I was Helen Houghton. I said, yes. She goes, she thanked me. She said, I'm a teacher, and I've got three students who are trying to tell me that I need to call them by the opposite sex. She has said to those children that until they give a written permission slip from their parents, she will not be doing that. So this is 
throughout New Zealand now, and it's really concerning. We have got to yeah stand up about it. We have uh, I, I do see there's lots of groups now who are opposing it and coming out. So the Lucky Book Club, for, particularly for my oldest son, was like his favourite thing. He loved the Scholastic Lucky Book Club, oh. and he uh, had severe dyslexia so we love the fact that there were often resources or books or things there that he could engage with to help him with his learning difficulty so it was always very cherished when the lucky book club came around in the latest lucky book club we have several titles one called jamie an uplifting story about making your own place in the world where you don't think fits in on the surface of that actually you think oh yeah that that sounds um, pretty good, but when you actually look at the imagery on the front of the book, you can see the direction they're wanting to send you in. Mm. Uh, another one called Break the Mold, How to Take Your Place in the World, A Guide into Believing in Yourself and Finding Comfort and Pride in Your Own Skin. And my two personal favourite, now it does say here young adult issues, but the imagery on both of these is imagery that I would not put with young adult, it is imagery that I would put with much younger children. One is called The Girl from the Sea. Uh, Morgan has many secrets, including one about wanting to kiss a girl. And the other one is Max, your average trans male. Your average trans male. Average. Average, yes. As he's descended from a long line of magical girls. If you are an adult and you feel that this is where you want to go as an mm -hmm. adult, mm -hmm. have at it. Yep. Don't have an issue with it. What I do have an issue with is when we've got these young minds that, to my mind, when they go to school, they should be, as I said before, learning the basics of what they require to learn to help them move out into the bigger, wider world in regards to reading competency, numeracy, history, all of these elements that will take them not only from high school but into further education or work opportunities. Mm. This is this is social grooming. This is this is stepping over a boundary as an educator that I believe as a child is my right as a parent to exercise. Absolutely. I agree with you 100%. Now, the, at the beginning, I did say that this is one of the areas that is uh, impacting the lower standards of achievement and the you know uh, achievement levels are hitting rock bottom. And we've got what half of the half of the people who are enrolled in half children enrolled in school not attending school. Can you blame them? Though, like I said, I have students who message me who are fed up with it. Let alone parents being very cross about. Who, who handed over parenting role to the government? Government are there to serve us, and yet they're actually indoctrinating children through state-funded education. It's propaganda. It is lies. It's not factual stuff. Our children are not going to school anymore for academics. They're going there to be fed uh, one particular view from a rainbow view. And it is, it's appalling and you need to, or all people need to actually oppose it. This has been taken out of some schools overseas. It's been banned now in some countries. When is New Zealand going to wake up and start pushing back? We need to get this government to stop it. But we, the Labour government are all for it. The Labour and the Greens are the ones who are pushing it. They have the ministers who are being very forceful pushing this through. You know, the Greens Party, um, Dr Kitty Kitty, she's behind a lot of this stuff with the young people as well. So we have to think about who the MPs are and who you want in government because they're the ones getting involved in the policy, they're the ones that are pushing it. Where's the democracy? 
the majority of New Zealand parents do not want this in schools. That's why we have an exodus, actually, since we exposed it. There was an exodus of parents opting out to homeschool. Parents can't afford to do that, but they, they'd rather that than put their children into dangerous, harmful places. One of the most important things throughout my teaching career, the, one of the teaching codes around providing a, ensuring a safe environment for all students, that was my main thing. And, you know, like I said, when I saw this, I knew straight away I had to do something about it. I was not providing a safe space for children by allowing this teaching to continue. And yet that's what they're trying to use against me as a teacher. The teaching council have a letter where they make it very clear that they will discipline any teaching staff who who oppose it, who don't go along with it. Well, what you described before by a letter being sent to the teachers' council mm. is very analogous to any medical professional, whether it be a nurse, a midwife, a doctor, who, if they speak out against the current orthodoxy of this government, they mm. find themselves up in front of their governing body and their professional career and their, and their ability to continue in their professional career is hung over them like a threat in order to toe the line. There is concern now with teachers that they're about to strike again. Actually, this is a hobby horse. I'm going to get on a hobby horse. I'm sorry, Helen, mm, um, no about problem. the strikes because I, I'm really torn. I've got a lot of friends that are teachers and I have been really blessed. I've had wonderful relationships with my son's teachers over many years and they are uh, they put in the work, you know, they really do put in the work. Mm. The strike action is happening at the moment and the disruption with the strike action, I got an email from my son's art teacher this week saying that one of the assessments that was planned for term one, which was an internal assessment for, worth a certain number of credits, is going to get moved further down the year if they can fit it in because the disruptions caused this mm -hmm. year, citing specifically cyclone and strike action, has literally meant that they haven't been able to get the body of work done in order to be able to complete this internal assessment. And I know for a fact this this particular school that the boys are in, they have applied for exemptions. A lot of these teachers are, are so worried about the impact that it's having on these kids. And yet the union is saying no, and they're not allowing these teachers to, or these schools to exempt out from strike action, even though the teachers want to be there in front of students teaching schools. I mean, what does this tell our our kids? You know, it's hard enough. As you said, 50% of these kids are struggling to get these kids back to school after all the disruptions of COVID and now the union are taking this time to turn around and saying right no look let's give them some more disruption you know they're groomed to that now they're, they're used to it. Yeah there's lots we can say there and you've got you've got a silly MP who is now the acting education minister talking about oh we'll get truancy people on board I mean it's got nothing to do with that it's, it's just so ridiculous there's, she's got no idea honestly she's up at airy fairy we need good people. We need people with common sense in Parliament because we're ruining, ruining education. We're ruining the health sector. We're ruining so many great areas. We, we were high in education before and now we're failing. The overcrowded curriculum is a huge problem in our education sector. So for, for, for years in education, we had to sit through numerous professional development where you would have so-called expert come in to show us how this is a better way to teach maths you know and then we'd 
experiment on the children for a few months until the next expert comes along and we do some more professional development. Again, disrupting learning because we're trialing something else. We're putting so many different um, strategies onto children. We, you know, we're talking about children. Children have to develop, you know, things to get a foundation of skills and basics before they can move on to, to other things. But we're pushing so many things onto them with this crowded curriculum around even around values. I mean, whose values are we teaching? Mm. You know, this whole, the, you know, going back to the gender stuff, you know, we're, we're disrupting learning by having to be talking about all of these things within the school. It's, you know, they bring in groups and encourage children to be involved in all these groups. I'm here with Helen Houghton, co-leader of the New Conservative Party, and we're discussing gender in our New Zealand schools. But I just want to talk about the legal rights of schools. and. Well, who's pushing this is the inside out. So they have resources on their website that assist teachers bringing a rainbow culture into the classroom and across the whole school. And I know we don't have time to refer to all those all this concerning information, but I just want to highlight one particular that they've actually put out for children. So if children can go onto their website. It's a resource for rainbow youth, they call it. And the contents, in the contents page, it's got, I am a rainbow young person, but not everyone at my school knows. Can my school out me without my consent? It's interesting that they say that because you're talking on one hand, you talked before about the photos and consent and all that, but we're talking about children. On the one hand, they're saying, you know, that teachers can't out them without their consent. And yet on the other, they're creating this massive celebration on outing them themselves, outing children who are probably not even, you know, on that rainbow spectrum, but they are, you know, they're pushing it. And they have, they're outing them, they're outing children. So this is a personal private thing, your sexual, your identity, all of that stuff is things that parents and, you know, if there's more confusion there or more concerns, parents would want to support their children and with qualified, you know, people outside of school, not in school where your parents aren't there, your safe, trusted person is not there. You've got um, a whole bunch of, you know, people that you're never going to see probably again, and they're the ones talking about your personal private matters. Uh, in 10 years' time, 20 years' time, you're going to think, oh, my gosh, I was in that, you know, on stage celebrating this diversity in a dress, and, and that was just a stage, you know. I mean, how embarrassing for those people. Now, they also have in the contents Queer Straight Alliance and Rainbow Diversity Groups, and they're coaching children. These are the questions. My school is stopping me from setting up a queer diversity group. Are they allowed to do that? What can I do? Another one, can a religious or private school stop me from setting up a queer straight rainbow group? Can my school put a restriction on who attends the group based on their age? <laughs> so, you know, it doesn't matter. Five-year-olds can come along to these groups where they're talking about sexual identities. Can my school block websites such as Inside Out from being assessed at school? Can my school stop me from hugging, kissing my partner at school? This is all you know, an organisation, institution funded by our taxpayer money who are coaching your children. Uh, it's got here, if you have requested that your personal information such as your self-determined name, pronouns and or gender is not shared with your parents, then the school must respect this request. 
unless they're legally required to share this information. To maintain your privacy, your school should consider how any changes made to your records in the student management system may come across when communicating with your parents. So hold on, just let's yep. just back that truck up a little bit here. Go. So that is if Joe J O is Joe mm-hmm. at home, Joanna at home, and Joe mm-hmm. wants to become J O E at school, mm-hmm. that they're asking that the school must respect that they are one identity at the school, allow them to live so social transition is that yes. the term for it at yes. school. But when they go to parent-teacher and you're sitting down and you're discussing Joe's mm. progress at school, that they're not to be outed to the parents. No, they're still Joanne. They're Joanne in that interview. So they are deceiving parents. They're lying. And this is inside out. It's on their website and the legal rights at school for children. This is coaching children how to deceive parents, how to go and, and advocate um, to their school teacher and the principal. These are just a selection of questions I've given to you. It's alarming. It's actually criminal. This should be. Never mind them saying it's illegal rights at school. This uh, there should be legal case against this organisation coaching children. It's manipulation of a whole school body. Yeah. So just be aware. There's some serious issues happening. Now, Kira Bell regretted her transition. I don't know if you've heard of her. She's over in the UK. Not one adult said no while she was a child or told her to wait. She said the risks of, you know, what happened, the change were not explained to her. Instead, she was just affirmed, which is what we're doing now in New Zealand. She said getting help, instead of getting help, she was treated like an experiment. And at 22 years old, she said that as a younger person, she made a brash decision as a teenager. And that transitioning was a very temporal, superficial fix for a very complex issue. Three judges made the call that 16-year-olds did not have the capacity to consent. Yet we have encouraged and forced teachers to be complicit in allowing children to make these decisions. Puberty blockers, Mm -hmm. because puberty is puberty. So I'm assuming that these need to be administered. We're not going to go down this whole, I think that's a whole nother show, but just to to lay some foundation for a next time, that says that they need to be administered to prevent puberty coming on. So we're talking, what, 11, 12-year-olds here, even younger? Yes, correct. Can those be administered without parental consent? So if they are someone who is identifying and gone through a social transition at school and mm-hmm. someone at school is potentially encouraging them, can they then help them, help the student get this sort of medical intervention without parental consent, do you know? I don't know the exact facts about if that's happening in New Zealand. I know it's happened overseas. Now, this parent I spoke with and interviewed last week The first time she found out that her daughter was identifying as a male at school was when a school counsellor phoned her, telling her that she needed to go and see a GP because her daughter was suicidal. She had been, you know, identifying at school and the parent wasn't, uh, they didn't need to tell the parent anything. And the school hadn't contacted her, the principal hadn't contacted her, the teacher hadn't contacted her. So if you're thinking about that when you're 
you know, think about this question, it's something that we need to look into. I know that there's some professional people, medical professional people here who are who are all over that, um, the puberty blockers right now because they have major concerns. So it would be a question that we need to dig deeper into to find out if they are going to be administering, you know, schools eventually going down this track. When you go on to find out a bit more about the Inside Out group, uh, I'd say that would be the place to end up. I had to step out of the school system to challenge this. So I'm not teaching now. You know, I love teaching, but I am not teaching now because I know that I cannot fight this in the system. Like I said, I've had teaching mm. council. Um, so I doubt that they'll allow me to have my registration back. So I've had to you know, step into politics to fight it. So I don't know exactly right now whether that would be happening, but I do know that the Inside Out group they send out their people as soon as there's a child in the school, because I was there as a child was transitioning. I was in the school when a child had come back the next year, started the year off on his transition um, to be a girl, and they had the rainbow people. They have all their facilitators. They come out and t tell the school what you need to do now, how to treat this child, the lessons you need to take, what you need to do around changing the bathrooms, all of that. They they come into the school and now direct the school what they need to do to support this potential um, trans person. Now, after this, this child was coming out, they brought the puberty lessons in and I was teaching in a senior class the very day after they had the lesson from the facilitators. This is how insidious this agenda is. I was, you know, teaching normal teaching, and I noticed this boy at the back of the classroom with his iPad. He looked like he was doing something strange, and I just questioned him. I said, what are you, you, know, what are you up to? And he said, I'm actually just looking, using this um, app to find out what I would look like as a female. Now, I highlight this because this particular student has two older siblings, they're females, and they're high achievers. They get a lot of attention, as you can imagine. This particular boy doesn't get a lot of attention. You, do you see where I'm going with this? Mm. How concerning this well, I is? Think, I think, and also to attention-seeking behaviour. I mean, you would know more as a teacher, but I certainly know as a parent, attention-seeking behaviour is a modus operandi 101 for a child. I mean, that's all they ever want is love and attention. That, again, is another social concern, surely, at these schools. If so much attention has been applied to these children in order to identify as one of these groups, this is grooming them into that behaviour. What happens that after all of this attention, after the getting up and coming out and claps and adulation and what have you at school that goes on, what then happens if that student decides actually... I'm not trans, I'm just gay. Or, and that has happened. That does and, happen. Yeah, or I'm not even trans, I'm not even gay. It's like, mm, okay, that was a phase, but I just want to get on with my life. Um, how, how do they step that back? What is the mental health implications of them stepping back? And what support do they get from those communities when they say, actually, no, I want to step back? Or is it once they've got their clutches into you, they don't let you go? Actually, you, you've made a good point there. So the 
this has happened. It happens a lot, and and you just need to jump online and you'll see all the detransitioners. Now, what they've talked about, the detransitioners, is they were then bullied, would you believe, by the community, the very community that had embraced them and, and led them down this path. And so what they do is they bully them and shut them down to silence them because they don't want the truth to be known that this is a complete and utter farce. This is this is factual stuff. It's everywhere. There's so many detransitioner. There's detransitioner groups out there to help support those who have fallen into this trap. I'm glad they're getting help while they're actually helping each other. I've interviewed a um, man, Walt Heyer, who was he lived the life of a um, the opposite sex for many years, and he's you know he's out there with the support, helping so many people transition back and these are adults you know that started the transition as adults for a different kind of um, mental health issues and we need to support people who ha- who are struggling in the mental health area and, and there's some things that can happen throughout your lifetime that can where you are more vulnerable mm. they also say that the there's 80 to 90 percent of these people that yeah like you said uh, either in this fad or believe that you know, they they might not be in the right body that grow out of that. There's also a large percent, something like 70% of these people identifying who are on the autism spectrum. That's hugely concerning because we're not giving them enough support. Instead, we're um, feeding them to the wolves, basically, by saying, oh, you, you, you know, you don't matter to us by allowing them to be victimized by a, a massive corporation who, yeah, there's a lot of money in this. As you can imagine, the surgeries, the money that is in this is mind-boggling. If you um, dig a bit further about, you know, how this is pushed by the surgery um, and even the psychiatrist area. So, yeah, there's a lot more that we could talk about uh, at some point, but it's hugely alarming that this is in our schools for our children, concerned for parents, concerned for our children. So so for parents now who are a little bit worried, where can they go to actually get a broader picture and what are some of the things that they can do to uh, help sort of either work with their child to get questions answered, a full risk management or risk analysis benefit for a child because I think they're all only getting, as you said, one lot of messaging. And what sort of interactions can parents have with schools to just sort of say, hey, look, I'm a little bit concerned about this. What do you suggest that they do? Okay, so at the beginning, what we need to do is have make sure that the government have more increased public and parent consultation throughout anything that's going into schools. You know, that, that's where it's starting. Okay, so we have to push for that to ensure that we have more parent consultation. These people should not be given access into schools, even involving the children commissioner. I would be, if you're a parent out there who's got grave concerns and you're seeing this stuff, get a, get a group of you together and and get with your with the children's commissioner. We need to call for. I mean. As a political person, I'm going to be calling for a review and independent investigation into this. We have got a number of different groups now who have woken up to this and are very aware of the danger. There's ex-teachers who have put together an organisation called Resist Gender Education. They're having um, a vast selection of resources to help parents 
So I'll say that again, Gender Resist Education, go onto their website. They have resources there to help parents know what to ask the school. There is Family First Organisation. They have also been uh, exposing this and they have, gosh, I've got a couple of documents out now helping parents, but also schools how to deal with this to support children who might be questioning so yeah those are both two very good organizations so I would go on there and download their documents they are really good reading I think Family First has even got templates for you to send off to your school principal and to the board of trustees um, to make sure that you have input uh, as well as getting that excluding your children from those lessons that's a good start Oh, that's fantastic. Look, thank you so much for that information. We've got a lot more to talk about, and I know that we will talk about this topic even further over the next coming weeks and months. And dare I say it, Helen, we may even talk about politics before the election. Oh, Um, no. no. I'm with Helen Houghton, uh, the co-leader of the New Conservative Party. Thank you very much for your time. Uh, Don't go away. We've still got more to come here on Reality Check Radio with Marie. You are with Counterculture. You're listening to Counterculture on Nasia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Reality Check Radio. Radio.